This is Filtered Through Fiction, where we look at life through the lens of our favorite fiction. This week, we'll cover Chapter 16 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, Through the Trap Door. Oh my gosh, we're getting near the end. Shit's getting so real. Oh my gosh. All right, for our recap, after his brush with Voldemort in the forest, a pain has lingered in Harry's scar. And in ways that I can't even quite put together myself, Harry starts to piece together (laughs) the things that have led him to questions for Hagrid about the night he got Norbert. He asks about how he got the dragon egg. The who was it who gave you the dragon egg turns out. It's a cloaked man who Hagrid never saw his face, so he can't really identify anything about him. And then the cloaked man was very interested in Fluffy, and turns out our poor friend Hagrid shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have said that, (laughs) and tells the cloaked man how to get past Fluffy. And for once in their lives, the trio actually decides to take everything to Dumbledore. (laughs) Reasoning that the stranger in the pub was either Snape or Voldemort. And that now they know how to get past Fluffy and to the stone. And as luck has it, Dumbledore's not there. He's off on urgent business to the Ministry of Magic. So the trio knows it's up to them now to protect the stone And they decide, with Dumbledore gone, tonight's the night that Snape and Voldy are going to go through the trap door, try to get that stone. That night, they arrive at the third floor corridor to find somebody's already gone ahead of them. Somebody's already gotten past Fluffy and through the trap door. The trio follows, and they face all of the challenges and enchantments that are protecting the stone. Devil Snare, Charmed Keys, Transfigured Wizard's Chess, the Logic Potions Puzzle, and finally, the Mirror of Eric Said. (laughs) 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 When I edited that episode, it made me really laugh that we were like, the Mirror of Eric Said. And as HP, Mr. Harry Potter himself, moves into the final chamber, he meets someone he does not expect. There's the recap. Boom. Oh, man. It's getting so stressful. Oh, so <laughs> stressful. So stressful. <sighs> so good. Yes. <laughs> this is a very action-packed um, chapter. It really was. It was one of those things as I was trying to track plot points. I'm just like, it's literally all action. There's a few things, though. We got some things we to say. We got some stuff to talk about. Don't we usually? <laughs> Can you imagine if we ever were just like, yeah, I mean, not really anything to say about this chapter. So we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs> Here's Did, a summary. Didn't have a hot seat question either. No, so. no. Just uh, social media. Enjoy. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> shortest, no. shortest episode ever. You can... You can guarantee we always have something to say. Well, we got something to say. <laughs> All right. Oh. Okay. 
You ready to jump in? I'm ready to go through the trap door with you. Oh, that sounds so fun. <laughs> okay, well, in the openingness of this chapter, the opening moments, um, they are figuring stuff out. They are struggling through what to do. And I don't have like an exact reference. I just remember that there was a part where it's basically Harry's really worried mm. about this stuff. They There's also like, this is all the, they're going through their, their final exams too, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So during final exams, Ron and Hermione are pretty just focused on exams. They're mm-hmm. like, let's just do this. Everybody's working hard. Harry can't do Quidditch. Like, but Harry is really worried. Yeah. And there's a point where Ron and Hermione are not, and they're a little bit dismissive Mm -hmm. of him. And uh, it just reminded me of times in my life where I've been really worried about something and someone else dismisses it and just how isolating that feels. Yeah. Like, am I wrong? Am I crazy? Am I, should I not be? No, but I am. I'm worried about this. Like, you should be worried. And you can articulate why. Yeah, but just the fact that, like, sometimes you're the only one that sees something. Mm -hmm. And when you, or you feel like you're the only one that sees something. And how it just may, yeah, I mean, it is, it's just an isolating thing where you're like, I can't talk to anybody about this. Even my best friends don't, don't think it's worth a mention. You feel like you're all by yourself, like you're, you're facing it alone. Yeah. And honestly, to your point, Harry is the only one who saw Voldemort when it comes to the trio. Uh, Draco sees it for a moment and runs off, but... Screaming like a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) But there is kind of that isolating fact that Harry was the only one who really had to face uh, that moment where he sees like Voldequirrel in the (laughs) in the forest (laughs) (laughs) Um, being his creepazoid floaty swishy self and slurping some dragon's blood (laughs) (laughs) I think she's gonna vomit guys (laughs) Um, but even uh, it was a thing that I picked up on too, just how it's not even on Hermione and Ron's radar, really. And I understand, like, they don't have the pain in the scar, and no, they didn't actually lay eyes on Volta Squirrel. Volta Squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> like bald squirrel even better. I like that even better. <laughs> oh, that's the best way to mispronounce something ever. Bald uh, <laughs> <Volta> squirrel. <laughs> There's a merch shirt for you. Oh um, my god. Or a sticker or something, but <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not even really on their radar, you almost see why with Hermione because she's like grades and classes. That's everything to her. But uh, yeah, I felt sorry for him in that moment. I felt for him in that moment because yeah. actually, man, no wonder later on before I, before I kind of segue us into a point, yeah. is there anything no, else? No, nope, okay. go. No wonder when he is talking about going through the trapdoor and trying to get to the stone first, 
no wonder he expects to go by himself. Yeah. You know, because right now he probably does feel a little bit like the weight and the stress and I think maybe even the responsibility of it falls on him alone. And I do love the moment where he is talking about taking the cloak and Ron asks, but will it cover all three of us? Oh, yes. And Harry is so... He's shocked. Yeah, like I think he's completely blindsided by the fact that they were never going to let him go by himself. And it actually reminds me of a quote from Lord of the Rings, the first book, Fellowship of the Rings, where like... I know you haven't read it, but Frodo is, you know, like he understands the responsibility of the ring is on him and he is making plans to pretty much take this journey by himself. And his little hobbit friends are sneaky and have some stuff in the works and really end up surprising him by saying like, no, we're all along for the journey. What they tell him is, you can trust us to stick with you through thick and thin, to the bitter end. And you can trust us to keep any secret of yours closer than you yourself keep it. But you cannot trust us to let you face trouble alone and go off without a word. We are your friends. And they say a few things very specifically about the ring. And then he says, we are horribly afraid, but we are coming with you or we are following you like hounds. <laughs> Pardon us. While we burst I'm into legit tears. crying right now. There's a tear right there. Uh, I told you last episode is the closest I've ever come to tearing up in our conversation. Oh, from and here now, on out, I'm going to be now, crying. I have officially teared up. But... I think that quote is so perfectly the trio. Beautiful. And later on, as the stories develop and as we get into that final, like, yes, the trio is the the set of people who go hunting horcruxes and, and doing all this. But like at the end, at the Battle of Hogwarts, Look at all of the people who stand with Harry. Like, I think of Ginny, you know? Um, I think of, like, Molly, you know, <laughs> who is, who has been with him since that moment on the platform where he asked for help. And, like, all of the wizarding world who is going to stand with Harry in opposition. They're standing with good to oppose evil. But just this moment where Ron says, well, it cover all three of us. And I love, I love the way that just undoes Harry and how he did not expect to have help. Yeah. It makes me love him for expecting to do it alone. Yeah. And man, it makes me love Ron and Hermione so much that it was never even a consideration to have Harry do this by himself. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. I I have nothing to add. It's just, that is absolutely a perfect moment. And that quote from Lord of the Rings, uh, it literally killed me. I'm dead. (laughs) We both have like little tears seeping out of the corners of our eyes on that one. I'm just crying from here on out. Like this episode and the next one, I'm done. Yeah, you guys. Like, we're we're real emotional about the It's a good thing you guys can't see my ugly cry face because, oof. It's going to happen. Yeah, the only other thing that I think it 
transition or I hate the word transition. <laughs> the only it, but but is there a better one? I mean, probably, but my <laughs> morphs, brain can't think that of it morphs it. into. Leads also to. relates to okay. <laughs> <laughs> is um when. I wrote, McGee dismisses the children. Oh, I know what I'm talking about, Potter? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so does he. <laughs> yes. I had that point written down, but okay. uh, but us talking about Harry and his concern and his worry, and then the fact that his friends come alongside him were too good. Like, it was yeah, too no, good to absolutely. talk about them together. Absolutely. But yeah, it definitely does, It the whole thing ties back into the dismissiveness like mm-hmm. when harry's dismissed by his friends it isolates him makes him feel you know like he's got to do it alone yeah and then um when it's actually before they it's say they're gonna come with him but 268 yep mcgee is mcgonagall if anyone didn't oh. catch that <laughs> yeah. that was my little note my my abbreviation in my notes is mcgonagall um they reve- Harry reveals that he knows about the Sorcerer's Stone, and she is definitely caught off guard, oh, but yeah. then kicks back into McGonagall mode and immediately is like, well, first she's like, how did you, how did you find, how did you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then tells him Dumbledore's gone, because that's, that's when they decide they're going to go talk to him. She's talking about, like, I don't know how you... I don't know how you found out about the stone, but rest assured, no one can possibly steal it. It's too well protected. And he goes to say, but professor, and she says, Potter, I know what I'm talking about. She said shortly. Yes. And um, at first, my reaction was like, but do you? And I thought about what she actually said. It's too, like, it's very well protected. I'm like, you do know what you're talking about, but so does Harry. Right. Like, Harry knows a lot more about what's going on than you do right. at the moment and how she does just kind of cut him off and like, just stop fucking questioning my authority on this, right. you know, maybe, or. Yeah. And you know. that dismissiveness not only isolates Harry, but it also puts everyone in danger. If she would have just listened yeah. to him, he would have told her, I know, you know, I also know, and I know that somebody knows how to get past Fluffy. Yeah. I don't know if it's Snape or Quirrell, but somebody... Or Volta Squirrel. <laughs> or Volta Squirrel. Or, yeah, he wouldn't have said Quir- Squirrel because he didn't Snape or Voldemort him. at this point. Yeah, he, I don't know if it's Snape or Voldemort, but somebody... And, yeah, we had a fucking dragon, and... <laughs> <laughs> like, so it like, turns out, yes. Like, <laughs> so we had a dragon, and we had the dragon because Hagrid got him in a pub, and he told the guy in the pub who gave him the dragon. Like, could you imagine trying to explain it all? Right? And that's he, why they don't, and that's why when she dismisses him, he doesn't really fight back. He's just like, well, I've got to do this. It's up to us now. Yeah, but, like, I just... I, I know I do that to children. I know I do that. I, do, I know I do that to my own children. They've got something they want to tell me. And I think I know better. And I just go, hey, I know, I know, I know what you're saying, but you need to just listen to me and mm-hmm. just do, you know, whatever. And it was just a really good reminder to me that children are valid. <laughs> <laughs> have valid voices. Have valid voices. And I need to do a better job of letting people finish their damn sentences. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes they actually like know some shit. Yeah. And can tell you that shit. Yeah. And I hate it so much when people assume things about me. I should not be assuming 
things about my kids that yeah. I, I know what they're going to say. Yeah. You know, I know what they know and what they don't know. And I need to let them speak for themselves. So it was just a little um, convicting for me. <laughs> <laughs> what else you got? Um, hmm. Hmm. Oh, when Neville tries to join <laughs> yeah. them. I was like, I know, I know we're going to talk about Neville. So Yeah. When Neville tries to stop them, he says, you're the one that taught me to stand up to people. <laughs> and Ron is like, yeah, not but to not us. us. I'm like, Ron's hypocrisy knows no bounds. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure, now that it's inconvenient for you. <laughs> yeah. But like how much, and I know, you know, if we could kick a dead horse more it's how much both of us have an issue with authority how many yeah. times do people in authority or in maybe a church setting or you know work or, work or whatever whatever say, that might look you know, like this is yeah stand up for yourself do what you got to do and then when you do it with them they're like oh <laughs> pat you on the head well now it's rebellion you. yeah now you're being I mean, rebellious. oh man like if there was ever a a thing i was called more than anything in jesus camp and sometimes potentially in in church was rebellious man like i i that's definitely a message i took away from those places was that i basically had a rebellious heart and a rebellious spirit and now i'll look back at that and say thank goodness yeah like, you're fucking right i'm a rebel yeah. in in that sense that like yeah if something doesn't make sense i'm gonna ask questions or if i want to know why i'm and sometimes not even that i want to like if i need to know why i'm gonna ask and if that makes me a rebellious spirit just me and the devil hanging out because <laughs> <laughs> clearly i'm possessed by him <laughs> Uh, I remember in Jesus Camp, this is a little off track, but the directors, so Jesus Camps are like all over. And the first Jesus Camp I went to was in Austin. And then that was the first year. And then the following four years, I went to the Jesus Camp in Phoenix, Arizona. But the, like the weird, like thing about Jesus Camps is the directors, essentially like whoever's in charge, that's what they're called, the director. Like, they all are, like, quasi, I mean, f fake church celebrity, like, mm, famous mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for, like, this sermon that they have. And the Austin one was the Ten Signs of Rebellion. Oh. And I had all the signs except <laughs> for, I mean, this is one of those things where I'm like, please articulate where this is in the Bible. But, like, rebels are always late. Spoiler alert, they can't. Oh, yeah, that's why. <laughs> I actually remember my year when I was there, they never made it through all ten signs of rebellion. So, I don't even know what all ten were. <laughs> However, <laughs> um, they, like, one of them was rebels are always late. And I was like, what scripture is that tied to? Yeah. I, and it was essentially... I mean, I think like in the real world, what they're saying is, is like you lack a, oh, did I say rebels are always late? Because it's always like yeah. rebels are always late. And it's like this habitual lack of respect for somebody else's time. 
And I'm like, okay, you can say it's disrespectful to always be late, but how does that mean I have the devil's rebellious spirit? Right. Anyway. (laughs) That's a stretch. Maybe I'll scour the Bible for the scripture on punctuality. (laughs) Good luck, my friend. (laughs) Spoiler alert, I will not spend a second of time on that. (laughs) Anyway. Why are we talking about oh, this? Oh, yeah, Neville. It's just you can no. stand up to people, yes. but not us. Yeah, and I. one of the things that I do love about this, and we didn't quite touch, well, we didn't touch a whole lot on it in the last episode and in the last chapter where he was out of bed because he was trying to find Harry and warn him. But, like, we are now watching Neville do the brave things. Yeah. Like... We talked about how he has seen that example in Harry. Uh, We saw it when he gets in a fucking fist fight with Malfoy and his goons. Yep. And then we see it how it actually says in the previous chapter, Harry knew what it must have cost Neville to be searching for them, to be looking for him in the dark. Yes. Because we have read about how he was terrified to be locked out of the Gryffindor common room because of like the bloody Baron and how he was actually very fearful. And now he's facing that fear previously to find Harry roaming the, the school in the dark facing what is a, a visceral fear for him. And now he is actually probably flexing what is the courage of courage in standing up to his friends who are, about to break rules again and to get Gryffindor in trouble. And, you know, like he's, he's also paid the same price that Harry and Hermione have in that, like essentially the entire school other than Slytherin has been pissed at them. This is the beginnings of his arc where Neville becomes that guy in book seven who is a, a fucking hero. Hell yeah, he is. And I, I love it. Like he, he stands up to him and he's like, fine, hit me if that's what you're going to have to do. Um, like I'll fight you if that's what I have to do. And because he's the one who, I mean, I understand the larger picture. He does not know like, oh, P.S. We're off to like try and save not only the school, but the wizarding world at large. But he is, he's embodying all of it, like doing the right thing, that moral code. He's doing it in the hardest way by standing up to people he really values and loves. Yeah. Yeah. That is um, a moment, just another I love Neville moment. Damn. He just doesn't get the (laughs) respect. No. (laughs) Poor, poor Hermione is like sad putting him in the full body bind (laughs) too. I'm really sorry about this. Yeah. But it's probably for the best, but it's just, yeah, it's a, it is a really, really awesome growth moment for him that i love i just love in that moment too where ron is saying yeah but not to us and like harry's basically like we don't have time to explain i just want i cannot not point out that all of the shit that hermione gets that they're like you're not going to find the answer in a book blah blah blah. who do they turn to like harry turns to hermione and says do something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I don't know what he was expecting if he thought she could 
toxins into Neville or what? But my assumption is, is he's actually asking her, like, you know the spells. Like, you would think, like, because so early in their time together, the answer has always been Hermione performing some kind of spell. Yeah. Like, do you, like, do you understand the importance of studying, like... There actually is real life application mm-hmm. <laughs> that is going to save your asses time and again, time and, and again, time and, and time. Like, like we, it is countless times in this chapter alone. Yeah, countless times. <laughs> let alone the rest of the series. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm just like, how has it not sunk in yet that the things you're studying are going to save your ass? Like all of them, no. But like the charms and the spells, yeah. I why aren't why aren't you learning these? They got adventures to have, man. I don't know. <laughs> Just dependent on Hermione to do all Seriously. of the heavy lifting when it comes to studying yeah. those spells. No wonder she has a freaking mental breakdown with a time turner and <laughs> taking all the extra classes yeah. later because she knows she's it's on her because yeah. boys aren't gonna do it. Damn it, Harry. Damn it, Harry. Damn it, Ron. Damn it, Ron. Although, (laughs) although, (laughs) as we move into, I always say the chamber, and that's why I always get the names of the first two books. Like, I get, (sighs) this is not the chamber, this is the dungeons. As we move down into the dungeons, we start to see why all of their different gifts and different skills are so important yeah like this entire uh adventure through the trap door it took all three of them like there is a way where if harry weren't there they would not have made it if ron weren't there they would they would not have made it if hermione were not there they would not have made it through to that final yeah yeah if harry had gone by himself he wouldn't have even made it through the well, Fluffy's the first one. He wouldn't have made it through the first one the through the trap door. Snare. The devil yeah. snare. So, yeah. Yeah. I do love that. And on top of that, like, in terms of playing to their individual skills, strengths, aptitudes, like, the one thing that it required of all of them was just so much courage. Like, Harry's willingness to go first through the trap door. True. Hermione's willingness to... Uh, be the last to go through the trap door and be in a room with that three-headed dog by herself and um ron and his willingness to sacrifice himself on the chessboard yeah and the fact that hermione is willing to drink a potion that may or may not kill her (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) they all have those moments where I think they show incredible courage on top of the skills and knowledge and aptitude and whatever you want to call it. They're gifts that each of them possess. Yeah. And this is where I um, start crying again. Okay. But um, (laughs) in talking about this, it just reminds me. So yeah, it starts with Devil's Snare. It doesn't end until, you know, Harry's by himself over and over and over they're leaning on each other mm-hmm. and they acknowledge it. Um, oh, yeah. At the very beginning of it, after they, after Hermione figures out how to defeat the devil's snare. Um, so devil's snare thrives in darkness and moisture, right? Like a dark. Yeah. It likes, it basically likes the dark and the damp. Dark and damp. Yeah. 
and Hermione's and that Hermione says that they're like, Oh, we need a fire. And then <laughs> Harry and Ron are both ensnared by the devil's snare. So they can't do it. And she's like, I can't where I don't have any wood. And she panics about <laughs> yeah. not having wood. And <laughs> Ron yells at her. Have you gone mad? Are you a witch or not? <laughs> and then it reminds her that she can actually start a fire with her yeah. wand. Um, after they're free, Hermione says, "Lucky or Harry says, lucky you pay attention in Herbology, Hermione. Ron says, yeah, and lucky Harry doesn't lose his head in a crisis because they, you know, they've helped each other yeah. snap out of it and get through this, this thing. Um, so they're acknowledging each other's strengths right there. And then on page 287, after they've gone through several more challenges using each other's, utilizing each other's strengths, um, Ron's already been knocked out during wizard chess. Hermione's going to go back. Harry's going to move forward by himself. And Hermione says, Harry, you're like, they're kind of saying goodbye. Like they're, yeah. they're a little scared that, <laughs> you know, Harry might not make it through this. She says, Harry, you're a great wizard, you know? And he says, I'm not as good as you. Very embarrassed. She says, me, books and cleverness. There are more important things, friendship and bravery. And oh, Harry, be careful. So, like I said, this is where I start to cry because <laughs> these friends know each other so well. Sorry. Don't be sorry. Um, to be able to acknowledge each other's strengths yeah. and say, like, no, you're fucking awesome. <laughs> no, you're awesome. Like, not everybody has people in their lives yeah. that are like that. And it is so goddamn important. Yeah. <laughs> When you are at your wit's end, when you are burnt out, when you are struggling, like not many of us are, you know, going into a dungeon to fight the world's <laughs> toughest wizard, but sometimes things feel that way, yeah. you know? And when you've got a friend that can say, you're fucking brilliant, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> and remind you of the ways in which you're strong, you know, especially yeah. when you feel so overwhelmed by whatever your situation is whether it's just the chaos of the moment and how it feels like everything's changed on you or whatever it is for somebody to be able to pull you out of that moment for just a second and say don't forget who you fucking are yeah <laughs> yeah and it gives you that like bravery to move on you know even when you might not feel like you can yeah <laughs> <laughs> like a sobbing mess. We're both just over here with literally, <laughs> literally you. brought tissues into the pod shed for today's episode, and uh, I'm wiping my tears with my sweatshirt sleeve. We know ourselves well enough. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm. Um, this is it. This is like when I read these books out loud to my kids. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> this chapter and the next chapter. I was like, sorry guys, hold on. And my daughter kept like, let me read, let me read. And I was like, no, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I can do this. I can do hard things. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh. So, you know, that's all. Just, <laughs> and it. well, and that, I think that's why we do what we do. Like you and I, we have a group of friends, you and I, some other people, and I know we're not the only ones in the world that do this, but oh, we yeah. spend quite a bit of time like figuring ourselves out yeah working on these things learning about our strengths sharing with each other 
for this exact reason. Yeah. I know if I need a certain thing in on a day <laughs> that I can reach out and go, man, I'm really struggling. I could really use your strength in yeah. this. Yeah. And, you know, it's so important. <laughs> yeah. um, I know not everybody maybe does that and that's fine. Yeah. You don't have to, but you might find that you have more bravery when you need it, more yeah. ambition when you need it, more loyalty and inclusion when you need it, yeah. more, you know, just smarts and, and learning when you need it if you yeah. rely on other people in your life. Yeah. And you know their strengths as well. Yeah. Know? I think it just like... I think it brings such a fullness, you know, because, you know, on like the blog, talking about harmony and just the way that you can use all of those different things to blend together and, and support whatever that main central theme is in your life at that moment that you can say metaphorically, I need you to come along in this melody with me, but I want you to add your own part to it. And I want you to add some dimension and fullness and put your spin and flavor on this because like it enriches what we're doing, you know, and it has been a privilege to sit in here at times just with you at times with others and, bear witness to realizing those moments like where we recently had a very good friend who <laughs> who recognized moments in her life where she experienced something very similar to like what my my Jesus camp experience was where like all this time I was led to believe I wasn't a certain thing. I wasn't good. I was uh, inherently terrible at this thing when really it was just about like your inability to manipulate me. It was never about how skillful I was at this thing. And I don't have words for the privilege it was to just come alongside her and just bear witness to her recognizing the strength and beauty in who she is as a person and in what she does. And I I didn't, I don't remember having that at 11 years old. And I'm I'm sure like they weren't sitting around talking about like, here's my strength finder, (laughs) you know, but, (laughs) but these are my core values. Yeah, like while it doesn't necessarily like no, nobody has to do it. Not everybody has to do it, but it's it's hard to explain the richness and the just the fullness of knowing you are known and that when you forget who you are, you have people who will remind you yep. of who you are. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. <laughs> I think that's the, the key is when you, when I, I'll speak for myself. I don't believe in myself about something 
or I know something is in my wheelhouse, but I don't feel like I'm good enough Mm -hmm. to have people that will recognize and tell me like, you're a good wizard, Harry, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like I don't, I, I, sometimes you just need somebody else to tell you, Yeah. even if you, you know, some days you're great and your confidence is great and you're feeling good and you know, you are doing a good job and you know, you got good marks on your exams and everything's going great. And then sometimes you're about to face a really fucking scary thing yeah. and you just need that little extra like thing from somebody else yeah. to tell you, like, no, you really are good yeah. at this. You really sometimes. will do a good job. You need somebody to know it for you mm-hmm. um, so you can remember it yourself. It's not that you don't know it, but you don't, like you said, you don't feel confident in it. And it's a gift like no other to have people who are willing to know you and remind you. Have that confidence for you until you can have it for yourself. That's it. I'm, I'm. <sighs> tapped out. I don't have anything else. That's all the that's all the moments that I had because I I was going to talk specifically about a point here, but it actually fits a lot better in the next chapter. So oh, okay, a culmination mm. of that point, mm. if you will. So good times, hot seats. Let's do it. Or would we like to cry some more? I'm done. I, I'm good. I don't want to cry I anymore. I don't like it. As much as I do it, you'd think that I would love it. I don't. What's your pastime? Crying. <laughs> My hobbies are trash TV and crying. <laughs> Sometimes at the same time. Two TV shows this week made me cry. Two. What TV shows? Fear the Walking Dead and Shameless. <laughs> Neither of which I have seen, so. Well, off off mic, I will tell you all about okay. them because you won't care since you don't watch. No. They won't be spoilers for you. so. <sighs> okay. On to the old hot seats. Hot seats. Um, okay. And mine's, I got a silly one. I got a silly one. You want okay. a silly one? Yeah. Do you? you get, okay. <laughs> it, it, me? Mm-mm. You? You? Me? <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, okay. So at the beginning of the exams, when they're going to do their like writing portion, they're given a quill, a special quill. They don't get to use their own. A quill that has an anti-cheating spell on it already Okay, for them to use so they can't cheat on their exams. So for them, a quill is like an everyday object. They all have them. No big deal. Sure. What is one common everyday object that you wish you could put a spell on to do or not do something. Oh. And what? Like for me? Or? Or for your benefit. Oh, okay. Hmm. <laughs> There's part of me that wants to be like, I would enchant my keys to always be findable. But uh, <laughs> I would do that for Mark. That seems lame. <laughs> oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Do you know your answer yet? Nope. Mm. <laughs> sure don't. I would. <laughs> so <laughs> I typically always drink my coffee in like a Yeti mug. Oh, uh-huh. And while it does a great job of keeping my coffee hotter for longer, I would enchant my coffee mug to always keep my coffee at the perfect temp. 
Okay, I love that. Can and, I add one thing to it, though? And, or no, you go. And, like, it would know if I wanted hot coffee or if I wanted iced coffee. Oh. It, it would just know because it's magic. Perfect temp. What's the thing you're going to add? Well, I was going to say, and also keep it refilled as much as you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, perfect temp and perfect amount. Yes, I will allow you to add that feature to my <laughs> magical item. <laughs> because that's the one thing I don't like about those Yeti cups. They're so little. I want like a 32 ounce like oh, giant. Yeah. Well, they make like the big tumblers. I just. That's true, I guess. But yeah, that'd be my thing. Okay. Okay. I like that. Hmm. Hmm. How practical do I want to be? Oh, man. As soon as I hear like your answer, that's like the only thing I can think about. I know. That's the hard part. <laughs> it's like hard to move yourself outside of the other person's answer. Mm-hmm. Because now all I can think about is like a perfect temp blanket. Oh. That it's like, it's a blanket. So when you're cold, you put it on and it warms you up. But also if you're hot and you have it on, it'll okay. cool you. You should have like a TV that always puts the TV show on that you want to watch. <laughs> oh no. Because I want to watch all the shows. So mine would have like a 17 panel split screen <laughs> You'd on it. You'd never leave your TV. I wouldn't. Hmm. Hmm. An always charged battery on my phone. Mm. That's dangerous. Like what's one of the, I guess like what's a everyday inconvenience? I know. Ooh, you have like a fridge that always stocks what you're in the mood for. <laughs> okay, I'm going to combine, <laughs> I'm going to combine uh, two fandoms here because I have always, always loved in particularly Star Trek The Next Generation, that was my jam when yep. I was in like the 90s or whenever it was on. There's a food making device thing that you mm -hmm. just like walk up to and tell it what you want and it and it like makes it and pops it out for you. Okay. So I would have one of those, but it would be magical. So it would decide for me. <laughs> I don't what have to wanted? tell it because I'm so indecisive with food. It would be like, mm, she's hungry. Here's a plate of nachos. And I'd be like, mm. God damn, that's exactly what I wanted. Thank you. Didn't even know I wanted that. <laughs> that's that's what it would be. That's brilliant. <laughs> hmm. Hot seat question number two. What Torn you got? between what two. What you got, friend? We'll keep it a little bit on the light side. I'll go with my lighter one. If you were going to create an obstacle, an enchantment, a challenge to protect the stone, what would your enchantment, challenge, obstacle, whatever, what what would you put in place to protect the stone? Mm. Well, so I'm like a Hogwarts professor. Or just you right, right? now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're a Hogwarts professor. However, <laughs> you're you, like you in the right here and now. Hmm. <laughs> Damn. Do you have an answer? Yeah. <laughs> you can't go because then my brain will get stuck on it. So I have to do it. You should make them eat like a mountain of pocket candy. <laughs> We're never. <gasps> no. Oh, I got it. Okay. Okay. My challenge would be <laughs> that you are, you open the cham the door to the next room, uh -huh. you walk in and there's like a giant mountain of unwrapped 
pocket candy. Oh, no. <laughs> and right next to it is all the wrappers. Oh, no. And you can't get through until you rewrap all of the pocket candy. Oh, my from gosh. Dumbledore's pockets. That's cruel. <laughs> Hard ass manual labor. <laughs> That's what you get. I think I would be in a similar vein in that, like, I, what I appreciate about Snape's challenge is it came down to, like, logic. It didn't really come down to magical skill. And I would do the same thing. I would give them a challenge that they really couldn't rely on their magic for. Yeah. And I'd actually build an obstacle course Oh, that they had to complete. Oh, but with like no broom. Like an actual stick. physical challenge. Like a wipeout style one? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Big giant <laughs> boxing gloves that it's like punching. Or like them. American Ninja Warrior. Not quite that difficult <laughs> since we're talking 11 year olds here, sure. but. Uh, Some of them are real. But I'm also technically trying to stop like an adult. Yeah. You're trying to stop Moldy Voldy, and he's only a a face in the back of a head, so. (laughs) Oh, wait, that hasn't been revealed yet. Yeah. My bad. Spoiler alert. But yeah, I'd build an actual obstacle course. That's awesome. You would knock me out of the competition. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be fucked. Could you imagine getting through everything, and then you have to do an obstacle course, and you can't get through it? I'd be pissed, dude. (laughs) All you have to do is put a rope ladder in it, and I'm done. I can't do it. I can't fucking climb any <laughs> rope type structures. <laughs> Social media? We have it. And your challenge is to go find it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a clue it's Instagram, and it's the name of this podcast filtered through fiction. <laughs> go. May and- the odds be ever in your favor <laughs> what were you gonna say and once you find it answer the hot seat questions so we can read yours on air and share it and share us share tell all your friends absolutely go to the website too. read the blog naki spends a lot of time researching those don't disrespect her <laughs> oh my <laughs> as always thank you for listening Thanks for going through the trap door with us. And next, let's take on the mirror of Eric said. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.